0: Welcome to Success Stories, brought to you by SNS Activewear. I'm your host, Marshall Atkinson, and this is the podcast that focuses on what's working so you can have success too. On today's Success Stories podcast, we'll discuss starting a t-shirt side hustle with the guru on this, Stan Banks. Stan has amassed a large YouTube following for his show, T-Shirt Side Hustle, which is over 100,000 subscribers. But how did he get started? What was it like to have a successful t-shirt YouTube show career? How does Stan see the future of the industry? We'll get to those questions and answer more on the next episode of Success Stories. So Stan, welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's going to be lots of fun. And I met you at Shirt Lab, one of the Shirt Lab events. So it's just amazing to me everything that you've done. And I love your story. It's so fascinating. So I can't wait to dig into that.
1: Yeah, man, I'm glad to be here. Shirt Lab was a great event. I think more people should attend. I've learned a lot. I went the last two years, actually. And it's opened my eyes to some things that I could help my audience with, but also learn and grow from. So I was there front center. I probably asked the most questions, (laughs) but it was really, really a good event for people who want to grow their
0: business and get some insightful information. So yeah, it was great meeting you there. Good, good. All right. So let's get going. So before T-shirt side hustle show started, you were started out in the industry. So walk us through your journey and talk about what you've learned as you've built your business. So first
1: and foremost, I was a serial entrepreneur. I serial hustler, whichever terminology you want to use. So for me, one business led me into the next. So growing up, I could fix computers really, really well, you know, fix them, break them, build them from scratch, all of that good stuff, which led me into learning how to do websites, learning websites and building websites, led me into photography and then promoting my photography business is when I started to make my first set of shirts. So I kind of had one of those, we all end up in a t-shirt business And out of all of those different hustles and things, and I did graphic design and a lot of other things in the middle of there. But out of all of those hustles, I felt like T-shirts was the one that I had to promote and get out and find new customers the least. Once people knew I was making T-shirts, and actually I wasn't even making T-shirts at the time. Once people see me selling T-shirts, they then started to ask me if I could make theirs, which opened up a whole new revenue. And then maybe a year or two into it, I looked at it and said, look how much money I'm making with T-shirts versus other things that I'm doing and the amount of time that I was putting in was purely on production. So it just made a lot of sense for me to make the transition and to start selling t-shirts full time. And where do you live and where did all this happen? So I'm in Wilmington, Delaware, and it all happened right here. You know, I've run a local base t-shirt shop. You know, it was my YouTube channel and everything that came about. It was all on my local based t-shirt shop. Printing for schools, if I was coaching, places that my friends were, business that people would just bring me. So that was kind of where it started for me. And it was all done, you know, word of mouth and business cards and, you know, just local printing.
0: And so when did you start and walk us through how you kind of evolved your t-shirt part of it over the years? Okay. So in
1: 2009, let's say I started to try to get, you know, start making on myself. I started with a DIY starter kit from Ryanette. I had a horrible time trying to burn screens. So my friend would burn them. We were printing just my Stan Banks photography logos at the time in the living room, washing out in the bathtub, probably everything I shouldn't have been doing at the time. But I was doing it, you know, trying to figure it out. So that was around 2009. In 2011, after selling a bunch of shirts with my photography logo on it, I was actually shocked. So I bought a dozen and they sold out. I bought two dozen and they sold out. I bought four dozen, eight dozen. It just kept turning over. And it was my logo, Stan Banks Photography. And people were actually taking these shirts and they were wearing them out. So around 2011, people started to ask me, You know, hey, well, where'd you start your t-shirt business? Can you make mine? Can you do my shirts? And I said, sure, I can make them. I didn't really know how to print, but I knew where to go get them printed at. The lady was printing them for me for three bucks. So I would go there, or she was actually charging me eight bucks for the shirt and the print. I would go there. I would send her the artwork, which I was doing the artwork for. Once I sent it to her, I would pick up the shirts and deliver them to the customer. I only mark each shirt of a dollar. So she would charge me eight. I was charging nine. They get about 24 shirts. So I would make 24 bucks on that. She didn't charge me a screen fee. So I charged a screen fee, which is 25 bucks. And then I would charge them around 50 bucks for artwork. So I would just pocketing a hundred dollars per job, had no idea what I was doing, but it was just a better way to. You to don't still do it that way, right? No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. So what ended up happening is I learned a lesson. I'm like, you know, Hey, no matter. I was like, can I bring you 200 shirts? And how much would it be? She was like $8. I don't care what you, how many shirts you bring me it's going to be $8. And I was like, that's not right. You know, I should be able to get some breaks in here and make more money. So I started to look around. And the first thing I did was start to supply my own shirts. So I went out and I started to try to find my own shirts to supply my own shirts. So I brought them back to her and she said, okay, cool. You're supplying the shirts. It'll be $3. So now I started to add some profit back into my pocket, adding in the shirt. And now I can make a little bit like maybe $2 or some $2.50 more at the time that I would make bringing it back into my pocket. So now where I was profiting a dollar, I'm now at like three fifty a shirt. And then I said the same thing. Hey, if I bought you 100 shirts, 200 shirts, how much would you charge me? She's like, I don't care. How many shirts you bring is $3. So then I started to look for a new printer. And I walked into a print shop one day and the print shop owner was actually a substitute teacher of mine at high school. I'm maybe like three years out of high school now, not too far out. And then the whole world of printing kind of versus every other uh, business that I had.
0: That's very interesting. And it was like, hey, it's Mr. Clark. He does this, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually Mr. Brown. Really, really simple name, Mr. Brown. it was a really dope setup.
1: You know, and everything that I've learned from him is kind of what got me to actually what I teach on YouTube. So he gave me all of the information that I needed. Over time, he allowed me to fail. He allowed me to like learn. And then that was information that I started to take take to my
0: YouTube channel. Right, right. That's great. That's great. So I think, you know, many shops in this industry struggle with growth. I mean, you were just talking about how you kind of like bump into better solutions as you're going, right? So talk about that entrepreneurial journey and ways that, you know, if you're listening right now, like people should be thinking about what is the next level in the industry. So you're right here right now, what's coming up next and how you should be learning and taking that new knowledge and applying it. So you just talked about it. You've done this a couple of different ways in your career. So what should people really be doing, Stan? They should be
1: doing the work. You know, a lot of people sit on the sidelines and ask a hundred thousand questions but they never actually get started. And what I like to tell people is, When you're starting out, I mean it's good to collect all the information, but at some point you gotta pick your poison and you gotta start. And then once you get started, the questions, the whole list of questions that you made, you'll be presented with a whole new set of questions that are actually about you solving problems that you have. You know, and I think a lot of us get stuck up on paralysis by analysis, right? Which is basically you asking so much you don't know which decision to make, you know. And there's a lot of great people on the internet teaching and doing different things, like yourself, myself, and some of my other. Uh, counterparts on YouTube and different places, industry experts, But ultimately, you got to pick somebody's information to go with. Nobody's really wrong. Everybody has their own perspectives on it, but get started. And then you'll start to formulate questions that actually will make a difference in kind of like starting that journey and learning as you go along.
0: Yeah. So, you know, from attending a couple of Shirt Lab events, our motto is actions reveal priorities. So we can read a book or watch a show or, you know, talk to people all we want. But until we actually start doing things (laughs) right, that's how you know that you're what is a priority for you. And it's really funny when I when I talk to people sometimes, you know, they're all complaining about how come they don't have any sales. And my first question is, okay. well, tell me about the sales activities you did today or yesterday. How many calls did you make? And they say none. I go, "Well, is it any wonder you don't have any sales?" <laughs> it's funny
1: because today, I think the internet has spoiled us in a way, right? Like when I wanted to market my first business, I literally walked. I grew up in barbershops, so I literally walked to every barbershop for like a month straight and put business cards in there. You know, and that those are the things that people don't want to go out and do now. They much rather sit behind a computer, say they have a business and hope that people just find them. And, you know, for some people on the internet with ads and different things like that, it works. But for the majority of people, they never actually see the success that way. And that's one of the things where I'm like, hey, I run a local based print shop. I don't get any business off of my YouTube channel. We actually had a a brief conversation about that. I don't do business across my YouTube channel you know, maybe I should, I could grow probably and do different things like that. But ultimately people run away from the old things. They don't have business cards. You know, they're not willing to go to networking events. They're not willing to say, you know, go into a restaurant and see they all got different shirts on and say, Hey man, can I speak to a manager? I make shirts and I can supply. Like those are the first
0: things that I always thought of when I promote and market my business. I know it. And I go, Hey, give me your business card. I'll send you some stuff. They go, I don't have any business cards with me. And it's just always shocking to me that, you know, for 10 bucks, <laughs> you can get 500 business cards. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's that big a deal. And then now I have uh, the little dot thing on the back of my phone. So I'm a trade show and they say that I could just say, Hey, try this, you know, kind of a thing. And And I think it's really important that people out there and if you're listening and you're struggling with sales and you're not really sure what to do, I think one of the first things that you can do, and I've said this for years, is write a business plan about who your ideal customer is and then what is their problem that you're uniquely qualified to solve. And then... If you write that plan, then you kind of know, like a laser beam focus, who your target is. So that could be hospitals, that could be delis, that could be rock bands, that could be people, dog groomers. I mean, it doesn't really matter who is your ideal customer. And then because you have something uniquely qualified, you speak their language, you've got the contacts, you know what you're doing. And then it's so much easier to go after that business because you kind of have a direction and you can start researching and doing things and draw a circle on the map. I mean, how many businesses or customer potential customers are within a one day ground ship of me and this one category, and then I'm going to create a spreadsheet and go after them like with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. Right. And just doing something as simple as that is going to really give you some direction and some guidance because You know, you look at Facebook and everybody's like, I don't have any sales. I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? And it's just because these people just don't put in the work, don't you think?
1: This is true. And I like to call that, I wrote a book called Niches Bring Riches. It's like you got a kid and they're on a youth athletic team. Start there, make your kid something and kind of like own the niches that you're in. And to add on to what you just said, a lot of companies, what I see struggling or or doing what is something that I think could be improved across the industry is we all market based on the services we provide, not who we serve. You know, I offer screen printing embroidery, you know, but they never go out and say, you know what? I offer screen printing embroidery for, you know, nurses, for these categories and, and kind of like hone in on the situation where they can find themselves useful for people. So it automatically clicks in their head, you know?
0: Right. It's so true. It's so true. And you, do, what you have to do is you just have to connect the dots And know what your customers are looking for. They're looking to solve problems. So that's what you should be talking about, right? And I can't tell you how many times I've been on somebody's webpage, and it's a really nice picture of their building, you know? And as it's like, if I'm your potential customer, do I care how many windows you have or you've got a flower bed? I don't care. I'm trying to get... I'm a a HR person, I've got a problem with employee retention, I'm trying to get a new onboarding package for new hires, and I need to talk about that with somebody that can do the the shirts for me, right? If I go to your webpage, am I going to see that? You know, am I going to see the answer to the problem that I'm struggling with? That's what I think people should really focus on, is be solutions-based, And talk about the answers to people's problems for the market that you're trying to serve. And if you show that and you illustrate, this is what I do, I solve your problems, then you can write your own ticket.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that is 1,000%
0: true. Like what you hear so far? Be sure to subscribe so you can get the latest from success stories. And now, here's Zach Shortley with the SMS Spotlight. Expressing your individuality is becoming more and more important within the fashion scene. Nowadays, it's more about standing out than fitting
1: in, which means being able to pitch a wide range of looks to your clients is essential. That's why at SNS, we're always looking to add fun and unique styles from the best premium and retail brands on the market. And with over 80 to choose from, including retail favorites like Adidas, Champion, Columbia, Alternative, and Tommy, you're sure to find something that'll help your clients stand out from the crowd. To see our wide selection of accessories and apparel, check us out at snsactivewear.com. Thanks for listening.
0: You have a show called T-Shirt Side Hustle, which is incredibly impressive. It's got over 100,000 subscribers. You know, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. So what did you do to build up that size of followers? Because I think it's important that somebody listening right now be thinking about that. If they want to start their own YouTube channel, right, you know, and I think that's a a big thing right now, what should they be thinking about, Stan?
1: So I kind of have the unorthodox approach to starting a YouTube channel, right? First and foremost, you have to understand that, are you going to get on YouTube to promote your business? And if that's the case, then you should be doing work to say, Ask your customers, like, how can I make it easier for them to work with me? You know, teach them things that they're already asking you all the time and put that content out in the world and service your customers and just teach them how to work better with you. Is so it's the
0: frequently asked questions route. Yep.
1: Yep. That's a great place to spark for most businesses. Now, what I decided to do was I felt like there was a barrier of entry to information when I had that struggle of trying to learn and figure out how to get into this industry. So what I set out to do is to actually teach people how to make extra money because everybody around me was complaining about the incomes that they made, you know? And so I decided, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn my camera on and I'm going to teach everybody that every job that I was doing, I was just showing people what I was doing every day as the work came in. Today, I might be doing vinyl. Tomorrow, I might be heat pressing 50 shirts. Tomorrow, I might be screen printing a four-color job. Whatever it was in that case is what I did. The advice that I would give is just to be consistent and probably do a lot more research on being a YouTuber and being a content creator than I did. I still, to this day, don't look at analytics. I don't watch any of that stuff. I just put out the information that I see people struggling with or that I'm experiencing myself. So I have a lot of room to grow even still. So I don't have that overnight success story as a YouTuber. I just put out constant videos over the last five years, which grow over time.
0: Okay. And so you're not using any apps like VidIQ or anything to help you with your tags and all? I have those apps installed,
1: but I don't look at it. You know, just being honest, that and TubeBuddy are two great apps that you can use. But I don't typically go in and keyword before I make content. I just make the video on that. I'm not out to try to create content from the standpoint of like, how do I get views? How do I get more? I'm trying to give people information that can actually impact their business. And what I find is that that stuff normally doesn't come with views. It just, you know, it's it's not the sexy part of the internet per se, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going through those struggles and things.
0: So one of the things that I'm a big proponent of, you know, I create a lot of content, Stan, and I start off creating a template, like for this podcast, I sent you The outline, that's a template, right? When I do stuff on YouTube, the graphic I put up there, the blog article I write, the graphic for that, everything I do is a template, and that way I can just switch out the picture, switch out the title, do a couple little things, and in about three minutes, I'm done, right? Do you use templates when you do this kind of stuff so it's easier to create the content and post? Tell us what you do. So content creation for me is easy. You
1: sent me a job right now, right? You got a business. You need 24 shirts for Shirt Lab, right? And you hit me up. All I did was turn on the camera. You say, hey, this customer has a job. I'm printing a two-color design on this next level, Bella Canvas, whatever, insert, SNS activewear brand here. I'm printing on this shirt today. And here's how I'm doing. Today, I'm using screen printing. Tomorrow, the next job may be embroidery. I don't do embroidery in-house. I outsource it. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing because I'm here to teach you, right? And I don't know everything. I don't have every tool. All I can do is get on the internet and say, this is how I'm making money every single day. And that was kind of like what I thought my competitive advantage was. It's Like, listen, I'm doing this every day. You might see me at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, printing shirts, you know, and I'll be on with 25 people or two people didn't matter because it was the work that I was doing already every day so my approach to it is easy I can get online and I can talk about the business because I put seven years into doing the business before I even started my YouTube channel in 2017 okay
0: that's kind of a template you have a certain way you're working and that helps foster the next step yep really Cool. cool it's really simple man you think about a
1: job you know I pick the garment your print process, prep your print process, print the garments, tell them what you did. In this case, tell them how much money you made or what they could be charging or anything like that. And the way that I film my videos is really, really easy. You know, those six things that I just mentioned will be my six clips. And then I call it a day, you know, so
0: and, I would just line those up. Okay. Now do you, for your thumbnail, you do have a template for the graphic?
1: Yes. Now I do. In the beginning, I didn't make any thumbnails, but now I do, and I try to segment them out based on like different series and things, which I'm still perfecting. I got some things coming up for 2023 that's gonna be really interesting and I'm gonna have a really good approach to it. So I'm cleaning some of this stuff up now because I never looked at myself as a YouTuber or a content creator. You know, I was genuinely out to help people start t shirt businesses with the information that I had learned because I didn't tell you this, but I had got a job in 2015. $10 For $10 an hour. I had never had a job in my life. I got the job to get health insurance. And then I realized that I wouldn't have been able to survive well off of that 10 hours an hour to take care of myself, let alone myself and a child. So if I didn't have t-shirts, you know, I wouldn't have been able to care for myself and my kid because the money that was coming in from that job, it just wasn't enough. And yeah. so I believe that if you wanted to start a business out of every business that I tried, this was the best one. And because of that, if you wanted to make three hundred. Five hundred thousand dollars a month to make your bills hit less, you know, just so you can, you know, breathe easier if you wanted to save money to go on a vacation with your family, whatever it may be. I thought t-shirts was the best business to be in because literally for me, it literally sold itself once people knew I was making, not even making, selling t-shirts.
0: Yeah, right. It's great. It's great. All right. So as we know, this industry is always changing. There's new decoration techniques, new types of shirts, new processes new ways of doing everything. So just thinking about the future, Stan, what are you most excited about looking forward to what's coming up? What do you like sit and go, man, I can't wait for that? What are you thinking about? Well, there's a lot of print techniques that I see overseas
1: that I wish we could do, like embossing and and some of those things and bringing that stuff over here to see it happen here. But you know, the, the recent technology of DTF has been the number one thing growing in the industry. And I think- Over time, it's getting a lot better and it's moving really, really fast. Unlike when DTG came around, it was like a slow grasp of process. But I feel like because they've adopted some of the things that they learned from DTG, that DTF is the new wave. And I'm interested to see where it goes over the next few years as far as the quality goes and the consistency and what big companies actually get behind the process in order to kind of like take it to that next level. So I think, you know, everybody is watching and seeing what DTF will become over the next few years
0: and i totally agree and by the way if you don't know what that means that's called direct to film and it's a transfer and so if you're going i don't like transfers you know you might have had an issue with a transfer a couple of years ago let me tell you the technology has so changed you've got transfers right now in your closet you just don't know about them and I was at a sporting goods store a couple months ago, and you can look at on this on my Instagram account. I went and probably about a dozen different designs from Nike were all transfers. And so, if you think people don't like transfers, they want to buy them, you're wrong. <laughs> it's so- this is true.
1: It's a personal opinion. I think we in this industry we get caught up so much by the information and the proper way to do it and the way it's been done for the last 40 and 50 years that we forget that like at the end of the day, most customers don't care. And I would actually argue that today, right now, more customers care because they've had access to information like I provide and the stuff that's provided across the internet that they've learned a little bit about it. everybody's that, you know, there it's a good quality and it's not going to erase that stigma these days. As long as you're applying it right, you know, you're using the right equipment, your temperature's correct everything that is done, you know, people are perfectly fine with. Do they actually care? Most common person uh,
0: buying t-shirts doesn't. They don't. They don't care. And here's the challenge, Stan, is that if you're a screen printer and that's the label you have in your head, everything to you looks like screen printing. And so when something comes along that's not screen printing, you think it's wrong. Yep. And because you've got Hundreds of thousands of dollars of screen printing equipment sitting out there on the floor. Now here's something that's disrupting the industry that isn't screen printing. So to you, it's wrong. That's the same thing with DTG, right? DTG came out. And to me, DTG is very limiting because it really only works on cotton. It's got a big issue with poly, right? DTF can apply to nearly everything you could do like a little American flag on the side of a mesh trucker hat and it'll stick, right? So there's so many more options out there. And, you, but just like anything, you have to do your research. You got to know what you're doing. And there's companies right now, if you don't want to buy the printer because it's admittedly the early into the manufacturing of the equipment, you know, stalls, super color, there's a whole bunch of them out there that make fantastic heat transfers, I would recommend trying them out, right? Yeah, just, no just ordering some some and goof around with them on some junk shirts you've got laying around. You don't have to use a new shirt. Just try it out and you'll see that it's just a fantastic way to go. The thing that I loved about heat
1: transfers is I looked at my mentor and he could never find an employee to screen print. You know, I think people forget that screen printing is truly a trade, right? Like You know, there's a lot that goes into it outside of pulling the squeegee. And some of this stuff like burning screens and washing out screens, some people just don't want to do, right? So I felt like with heat transfers, I could confidently bring somebody in here off the street today and in 30 minutes to an hour, leave them on a heat press, walk away and be confident that they are going to be able to do the job and perform it versus standing over their shoulder for weeks and weeks trying to make sure that they're doing certain things right in their learning process. That was what actually made me kind of fall in love with heat transfers and heat pressing because I started out screen printing in 2009, you know, and in 2015 is when I got my heat press and I thought to myself, why didn't I start like this, you know? And, you know, I was doing vinyl at that time just to make some custom shirts, but I was like, why didn't I start my business like this? Because I thought about all the learning curve that I had to go through trying to burn screens and mounting a DIY starter kit to my mom's dryer in the basement. And doing all of these things that I had to work through. So this was a great gateway to get into the business. And then to top that all off, all of the knowledge that you learn from a heat press and with a vinyl cutter or whatever the case is, it translates perfectly into screen printing or into any other full color process. Because, you know, you cut one, two colors of vinyl, that's color separation in screen printing, you know, and now you can do volume. So I thought all of those lessons that I learned, I was like, man, why didn't I start like this?
0: Yeah, right. Well, you just have to apply it, right? And I think it's really important that, you know, people reach out to suppliers. They reach out to different companies doing things. And it's really great to go to trade shows, to go to an event like Shirt Lab or any other networking event where you can meet other folks that are doing this, because I guarantee you, Whatever you're struggling with right now, there is somebody out there that solved that a month ago. And I
1: think that's my biggest lesson for my audience today is that, you know, going out, getting outside of your house and from behind the computer and meeting people who are really doing the stuff that you're trying to do. You can help people out who are trying to do what you've already done. You can learn from people doing what you want to do. And then you can build network and just grow community and figure out what else is out there how people were growing, how people are making money. And that wall that I said before that I had coming into the industry, you know, once you're inside these rooms and you're meeting people, it's amazing how welcoming they are, right? You think like, oh, they're not going to help me because I'm going to be their competition. But if you get outside of your house and you go travel to Shirt Lab in Chicago or wherever else it may be, or, you know, maybe my event made the hustle or depending on which demographic you're in or, or who you cater towards or actually fit in with, if you go to these events, you actually get to meet people doing the work and they're not your competition because they might be from Rhode Island and L.A. and all over the place. And I've seen people flying across the country to help people or to go visit shops and do different things like that. And you don't know how far you can take this business until you see what people are out here actually doing. And it allow you to elevate you know, your game and figure out where you want to take it and how far you want to go.
0: Perfect. Love it. So Stan, thank you so much for sharing your story of success with us today. If someone wants to learn more about what you do or how you can help them, what is the best way to contact you? So you guys can find me on YouTube
1: and Instagram, t-shirt side hustle, and also t-shirt side at would
0: be my email. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot, Stan. Thank you so much for spending some time today. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the latest success stories episodes. Have any suggestions for future guests or topics? Send them my way at marshallandmarshallatkinson.com and we'll see you next time.